I think a lot of companies treat podcasting as another way to drive more traffic or leads or things like that for the business. And I do think if you have like a content strategy that's working and works at the top of the funnel and you're killing the SEO game, the podcast should be more of a brand play, right? A way to showcase the worldview of you, your founders, the company, a way for other people to find out about you, but also for the people who have already found you, a way to sort of validate and cement your positioning in their mind. Hey there, welcome to Brands That Podcast. Each week we talk with the people running podcast strategies at successful brands so you can learn how to grow your company through podcasting. Today's guest is John Benini, Director of Marketing at Databox. Databox is a really cool SaaS platform that lets you build dashboards and track performance from every tool you use. In 2022, Databox's revenue run rate hit 4.8 million in revenue. I wanted to talk to John because at heart, he's a writer, journalist, and content expert. He runs his own Patreon on the side called Some Good Content, which gets really high praise from the likes of Dave Gerhart and Ash Reed. He's a content expert and their show, Metrics and Chill, has 95 episodes. It's been one of the longer running shows that we've seen in the space. And he's one of the best interviewers I've heard on a business podcast. His interview on Jay Akunzo's Unthinkable podcast was also one of the most popular of 2021. In this episode, you're going to hear why podcasting was one of the first channels John chose to invest in after they had massive success with SEO and content. You'll also hear about the role it plays in the rest of their content strategy, how he thinks about the podcast's role in Databox's growth, and a ton more. I hope you enjoy it. All right, John, thank you so much for joining Brands at Podcast. Super excited to chat with you today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited to be a part of this. Big fan of Lemon Pie and everything that you all are doing over there. So thanks for having me. Really appreciate that. All right. There's a lot of stuff I want to get into here. But I guess starting off, I wanted to talk about philosophy. You are a writer at heart. You're a big content person at heart. You run some good content, which any listener, if you have a content team or your marketer that wants to get better at writing content your audience loves, go check out John's Patreon community. You've gotten super high praise from Ash Reed, Ryan Law, Dave Gerhardt. And Databox grew to where you are now, primarily through content marketing and SEO. So I'm curious, was podcasting the next channel you added on or what led you being so content driven, was that a natural next step for you to be like, okay, we have to have a podcast now? Or how did that fit into your overall marketing strategy? So yeah, the funny story, like when I first joined Databox, October 2017, that was one of the first things I did, launched a podcast. I think in the first month, we actually had launched it, had interviews and published our first episodes. Our CEO was a quick convert. He saw the value, I think pretty much immediately. We had the beginnings of like a SEO content strategy already. And so like, obviously we knew we had a lot of work to do there, a lot of growth that we needed to support the goals of the company. And like, how does podcasting fit into that, right? Because there's not really a direct line from listeners to sessions on your site and signups and things like that. But really the way we had thought about it was it was a competitive space. No one else in our space had a podcast. And so like, what better way to sort of stand out as like the incumbent when we can just create a podcast and start talking to people about these things around reporting and tracking and attribution and like how you're actually improving metrics. What if we just have a show about that and people get to know us and our personality 
we felt like that could be a key differentiator for us early on before we had the web traffic and the domain authority to like really be able to compete from that perspective. So it was one of the first things I did when I got to Databox was launch. Then it was known as the Ground Up podcast. And then it transitioned into Metrics and Chill, the podcast. Uh, so same podcast, just different name and different branding. But yeah, one of the first things we did really just as a, not as a sessions and sign up play, but just as like a top of mind, be able to break in to that space and have people know who we were. That was really the play there. Yeah, I think it's super smart. And I love the hook of the show. It's super <laughs> interesting. So if any listeners go check it out, Metrics and Chill, look it up on Spotify or Apple or whatever. Each episode, you basically tackle a different metric. So what we see a lot is like, oh, we'll create like the VP of marketing podcast or the demand gen podcast. And it's like just about general demand gen every time. You actually, which is super logical with Databox as a product, every episode you take a different metric and you dive deep into that metric. Did you just know your audience really well? Was that more of a gut feel that this is the way to go? Like it seems like a unique play that you did. Where did that concept come from? Yeah, it was a lot of different things. I wanted something that could be general, but specific at the same time. It's general in that the show's about metrics. I mean, we could cover anything from a sales metric to a marketing metric to customer support, but it's specific in that each episode only focuses on one. And the reason I think we went with this direction was that it's easy to transpose it into different content formats. Mm. And what I mean by that is if we're focused on one metric, we have so-and-so from certain company talking about how they improve their visit to sign up rate or their bounce rate or whatever, that could easily be transposed into an article about how to improve your bounce rate. That's going to basically align with search. And it's also going to be able to be something that possibly we can add to other pieces of content that mention things about bounce rate or maybe a help article that also is trying to educate users on how the different ways they can track bounce rate and data box. So like I wanted something that had a very repeatable format and like have a guest pick a metric. And I ask all of them the same primary questions, the follow-ups all change, but I ask everybody really the same questions. That makes it easy for us as a smaller team to be able to transpose the podcast into different content formats. So we could get possibly some search traffic or add some different elements to other blog posts from each podcast episode. So like I said, it was a way to be general and specific at the same time, and also be able to have a repeatable show format, what I'd like to call like the tonight show approach. The only thing changing are the guests, but the format of the show is the same every single time. And I wanted to go that route rather than doing like the career spanning interviews, which I used to do, which I think is just harder for the audience to get quick value from. So yeah, I wanted to focus on quicker episodes, general and specific, and something that could be easily transposed into different content formats because it was repeatable. Yes, you answered my next question. I was going to ask, are you repurposing it at all? It sounds like it at least every episode's becoming an article or has the potential to become an article. So two questions there. Are you also breaking down any insights from there on social? And then second would be, you guys are super strong at SEO. A lot of companies are like, we'll repurpose to an article and maybe just throw it out and hope for some residual like positive effect. Right. I have found it's very difficult if you're not beginning with keyword research to reverse optimize into something. Yeah. Like It feels like you're kind of tweaking it in a way it's not meant to go. But are, have you all found a method where you're able to reverse optimize and like do it for SEO? Or is it just like, no, no, like it's defined enough in that it's a topic and we'll kind of put it out there? Yeah, I think uh, we don't do like extensive keyword research. It's more so like performance benchmarks are something that naturally generate a lot of interest in search volume. People like to know how, you know, what's a good churn rate? What's a good cost per click on Facebook? What's a good visit to sign up rate? 
the search opportunity there is great. We know this because we've tracked it because we're in the process of like putting together website pages around performance benchmarks and the keyword and search traffic opportunity there is great. It's vast. And so the show itself naturally lends itself because we're talking about like if I have you on the show and you're telling me about like how you improved your cost per acquisition or something like that, it naturally aligns itself with those sort of benchmark related search queries like what's a good cost per acquisition? Is my cost per acquisition good? What's a high cost per acquisition? There's search behavior baked into the show structure because we're talking about performance metrics. But beyond that, no, we haven't done like keyword research for, you know, ahead of each episode or anything like that. You know, we're not sure how well blog posts that come from podcasts do anyways. Our play there really is less about like, oh, will this get found in search and more just like gives us another way to share the show on social or drive more people to a place where they can consume the podcast or find a download link or be able to subscribe to the podcast rather than just having the show link itself. And I don't know that we've actually quite nailed it yet, transposing the podcast into like other formats. Like what we want to do is like blog posts, Twitter threads, maybe five clips from each show. I feel like that's the perfect world, like the ideal state that we're trying to get to with it. Yeah, I love that. We found they do make really good natural. We've done that a ton with our show is like, you know, hey, here's HubSpot's thinking about listener growth. Then you're able to like kind of go through and get this like really nice for LinkedIn, for Twitter, whatever. So it sounds like the deep belief behind starting Metrics and Chill, which by the way, is just an amazing name. I listened to one of your episodes (laughs) and and I forget who you had on recently. And they were like, by the way, you win for having like the most innovative name. And it's like, (laughs) took me a minute and I was like, ah, yeah, I get it. It feels like Um, every guest I have on now says that like at the beginning, but yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. (laughs) It's good. I mean, like, especially like B2B, you're swimming in a sea of like the salesman podcast or the... Yeah, they're boring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the the insert my target ICP podcast. Yeah. So how else are you thinking about the success of the show or measuring any ROI of it? Like, I know it sounds like, especially being such a deep content expert, there's probably just this inherent belief that like, we know we're talking to our target audience and content's valuable, but is there anything else driving like that you look at to measure ROI of it or success? Not yet. We've talked about basically putting ads in for our own products, not like a traditional ad you'd hear on the radio, but more so like a native ad read in different ways, sort of like what HubSpot does now with some of their podcasts and their IP to see if we can track different ROI. Do we experience leads from this? Again, I think that's more like what we're working toward. Mm. But right now, yeah, I mean, really just listens, downloads, that kind of thing. Like it's one of those things where, yeah, if we're talking about the right things and we hear stuff from users or customers that they listen to X episode or they found it valuable, it's kind of like you just know that it's working. And yeah, it's more of just like a top of mind brand awareness, brand building play really at this point. But with that said, like I said, we working on things now to to see if we can experiment with ad placements and stuff like that. And and if we could drive downstream engagement to the product. I'm curious if we have any like listeners that are specifically running content at their companies. I rarely get to talk to someone who's so deep in it. Yeah. What do you think they should know? Like if there are listeners out there that have been running articles for a while, they're really strong, like you all were on SEO. What is there to know before jumping into a podcast? Like what have you learned through doing it? And What do you think are some of like the pros, cons, or just things to watch out for? Like for people that are listening, they're like, yep, we're already killing the SEO game. Like we're super into content. Now they're thinking about expanding into podcasts. What either surprised you or do you think they should plan for like any advice for people that are coming from like a more traditional content play? Yeah. 
try to avoid overlap between the two approaches. I think a lot of companies treat podcasting as another way to drive more traffic or leads or things like that for the business. And I do think if you have like a content strategy that's working and works at the top of the funnel and you're killing the SEO game, the podcast should be more of a brand play, right? A way to showcase the worldview of you, your founders, the company, a way for other people to find out about you, but also for the people who have already found you, a way to sort of validate and cement your positioning in their mind in the market. So that's one thing is try to avoid overlap in the approach. If you're already killing the SEO game, maybe don't focus so much on like, oh, can this drive traffic for us? What else can a podcast do for you? If your market is say like a service-based business or a consultant and your market's relatively small comparatively to like a SaaS company, you don't need thousands of listens, right? For you, like dozens of listens could result in you're capturing like 60% of the market or something, right? Or of people listening to your show and like, what's the value in that? That would be the first thing is like avoid overlap. The other thing that I've learned over time is I do think that people like a format and I used to have sort of these Mm. like freewheeling interview style, 45 minute to an hour episodes. And I think it's hard for people to know what to expect, what they're going to get from each episode episode to episode. So I would really focus on trying to have a repeatable format. That doesn't have to just be like a Q&A, but you could have a Q&A show, ask every guest the same 10 questions. And obviously your follow-ups are going to be different. But after like 25 episodes, you're going to have like a really good story to tell. And you're going to have a lot of qualitative data around those same 10 questions that you could create all kinds of other content from. Mm. A report, a blog post, because you're asking all the same questions. Like there's a lot of power in that. But you could also have like, you know, if you have a, a co-host at your company and you don't, and it's not a Q&A podcast, it's just like the two of you going back and forth, you could also make that repeatable too, right? The sort of buddy cop podcast approach. And then there's like the narrative style too that, that people do employ, um, a little more expensive to, in terms of resources to be able to do. But that would be the other thing is just like, how could you, you know, challenge yourself to like, how could you keep this engaging, but have it be a repeatable format? Because that's going to make everything easier. Production, repurposing, it's just going to make everything easier. And that's something I guess I wish I would learned or knew earlier in the, in the podcast game. I love the tip for the repeatable format because yeah, these interviews for me take so much time to prep for. And there's some overlapping questions. And what I wish, like I was literally thinking about this yesterday. I was like, man, I wish I would have asked a consistent question at the end. Like, what do you think the future of audio is? Or like, what do you think the future of podcasting is for your business? Like I've asked a couple people that, right. but I feel like to your point, if you have those three to five- After 25 episodes, yeah. It's yeah. a lot. Now you have a cool story to tell. Yeah. And then like, you'd be able to do like a roundup piece yeah. of content. You'd have a good benchmark of what people are thinking about the industry. Yeah. It's just a good angle to think about. At the end of every year, you could basically do like a qualitative report around like the state of podcasting according to podcasters, the experts, mm. right? You could do it every single year. Here are the things that they're consuming. Here's how much it costs for them to produce the show. All these questions that you could ask and like geek out about like, oh, how, what are you using to mix your stuff? How much does it cost for you guys to produce an episode? Like how many people are involved? But yeah, I think there's, it opens up so many more opportunities when the show format is repeatable. For sure. So following up on that, you're a good interviewer. I also read you are one of Jay Akunzo's best guests on the show that he's running. It was one of the more popular episodes he had. What tips do you have for either like head of marketing, head of content, whatever, whoever's in charge of the podcast of the brands listening? What makes a good host? What have you learned over time? Now you all are, let's see how many episodes I wrote it down here. 90 something, you all 95. Are 95. 
Yeah. Well, at the time I made the notes, you were 95 episodes, maybe you're 96 now. So <laughs> yeah, what have you learned in 95 episodes of hosting that you would pass on? Well, it goes beyond those because I mean, I went to school to be a journalist. I thought I was going to be a reporter. So like I came into podcasting naturally approaching it like I was a journalist and using some of those framework. I'm just a naturally curious person. I was always told when I was younger that I asked too many questions. And so like in some ways, I feel like I was just like built for this. You know, I've been preparing for this my whole life. But I think the biggest thing is like just the basics, man. Avoiding yes and no questions at all costs. Too many podcasts I've been on, I'm asked yes and no questions. And to myself, I'm like, oh man, this guy could have killed it by asking such a better question. And Mm. it's really more about tell me about, tell me a time when, like, how did you feel when? If you can get people to share their feelings and experiences rather than just like, does this work or how did you do that? If you could get the human side out and really get people to open up, I think that's where the magic happens. I've been reading this book about like interviews. It's called The Art of the Interview, Lessons from a Master of the Craft by Lauren Scrobel. It's not about podcasting. I think it's more about like traditional media. But uh, there's a really cool quote in the book, actually, from Diane Sawyer, who says that most good interviews revolve around, you've got to be kidding, or tell me what you've never told anybody before, or why. So those three things, you've got to be kidding, tell me what you've never told anybody before, or why. And I think if you could structure your show around eliciting those sorts of responses, that's where the magic happens. Mm. Not in yes, no questions, but like, what can you get out of this person that's going to have people saying, you got to be kidding me. I never knew that. Or especially in the podcast game, I do tons of podcasts, right? So like, what can you ask me that I've haven't been asked before on another show? And then just digging into like why people feel certain ways, why people employ certain strategies or approaches versus maybe other ones. But yeah, I thought when I read that, I was like, that's a really cool way of thinking about it. And like a really good way to simplify a way to distill down an interview into, you know, the things that people want to hear about. So yeah, that was long winded, but I would say just finding ways to get the people that I interview to open up and talk about their feelings or describe their experiences. Mm. Yeah. I guess it's a lot simpler than it has to be. I think people overcomplicate it. Yeah. That's really what it's been for me. I love the framework of those three questions. I think anything that gets you to, it's such an emotional take in the technical sense of the word, like getting at what people were feeling or thinking at the time, which you're always going to get something unexpected from that. And especially in the B2B space, that's an easy way to stand out as more compelling content. For sure. It's funny you mentioned journalism too. I feel like everyone says this. This is like one of the most (laughs) common threads I've heard on the show so far is there people either say, I used to be a journalist. I wanted (laughs) to be a journalist. So it's this common thread. I feel like maybe there's this world where like, ex-journalists are going to be able to go get employed as podcast hosts at B2B companies or something. It's but. already happened now, man. Yeah. The, mar- the the journalism industry itself wasn't very fruitful when I was coming out of school. And I think a lot of, there's a lot of journalism transplants in marketing and B2B and content. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Christo, I would add to that too. Are you familiar with Christo? He runs The Future he has like a YouTube channel and a podcast and his goal is to like impact like a billion people. No, He no. founded a design agency called Blind. I think it's out in LA and it was like yeah. a big award-winning agency and then started the future just as like his free. So he'll teach you how to like charge or negotiate as a designer, or like how to price and package and like all these things. So the future is like this brand that he does for education. He's an incredible person to go listen to. I think it's like the future with Chris Doe is his podcast. He's just so calm. It's just not how I talk, but he says so few words, gives so much room to the other person. 
And when I started this show, I found I was too reliant on the notes to like the questions I had pre-planned to ask. And he encouraged me to like, kind of just take your hand off the wheel, keep a notebook and a pen, which like now I've started doing every, every interview <laughs> and just jotting down like interest points and like, oh, you said that like nothing that you could have pre-planned. And that feels a little bit scary to like, kind of take your yeah. hand off the wheel of like free flowing notes. But I do feel it allows like a more natural conversation. Yeah. But if you took the microphones away and you shut off the recording and you just put two people in front of each other, you'd find stuff to talk about. It wouldn't be scary anymore. Right. But for some reason, when we turn the mic on and we, we feel like we have to have this plan, but yeah, I've, I've always wanted, tried to take a little bit more of that approach is just like have the interest points and just let the conversation happen. Because yeah, if it sounds too scripted, I do think there's something lost there. You could tell the podcast you listen to when it just sounds like people having a conversation. And those are definitely more engaging and fun to listen to for sure. For sure. All right. Last question. I want to respect time here. This has been a consistent one. I've been good at asking. <laughs> what advice do you have for moving away from, I know I asked you this in like a content yeah. perspective earlier, but for CEOs that don't yet get podcasting, but maybe are considering it or like, no, their VPs have floated it as like an idea. Like you said, Pete was an easy sell, but for ones that aren't familiar with the lay of the land or for heads of marketing or VPs of marketing that are thinking about starting one, what would be some advice you would have as to whether or not they should do it? What are some good guides, like whether or not it's the right time right now? Should they do it? What kind of mindset do they need to have to be prepared to do it? There's a lot of different answers to that question. I think, should you do it? I think it comes down to a few things. One, do you have the talent on staff to do it? Do you feel strongly about doing it? Don't just do it because you feel like you have to, or you feel pressured because the rest of the market's doing it. So do you have a desire to do it? Do you have the talent on staff? Like that's one box that needs to be checked. The second one is like, when's the right time? I feel like that varies. Like you could do it really early. Like I did at Databox. If you're in a competitive space and there's a lot of legacy companies in your space that aren't doing it, that's a good time to start, right? Because that could be your one edge, right? Like that could be your mm. one foot in the door. They might be killing it on content. You're just getting going. They might be killing it on demand gen. You're just getting going, but they're not doing podcasting. So you could kind of build your niche of the audience there as you're building up the other things, content, demand gen, the website, all that stuff, right? So that's one thing, but also like you could be really late, right? You might be one of those legacy companies. And like, what, what's the point? Why do we need to podcast? I think um, early on for brands that are just starting out, you're just trying to get into consumers' minds, right? That's what the point of a podcast. You're just trying to get people to think about you, know you exist, right? But later on in, in the company's life cycle, if you're a bigger company, you're like, why should we be bother podcasting? I think it's a good way for like staying in the conversation for the companies that are making a decision about which brands to go with. You might be like a big company that you're one of the big players in the market. You want to stay in that. You want to stay in the conversation. Do you want to be one of the brands at the table that people are always using to make a decision? Like these are the five brands. If all the other four are doing podcasting and you're not, that's just another way that they might, uh, another in they might have of staying in the conversation of brands trying to choose between like these five established companies or solutions. Um, if four of them have podcasts, they're going to be more top of mind. Their stuff's going to be out there more. They're going to have the clips on social. People are going to be talking about their podcast. I mean, if you don't have one, it's just one strike against you that can result in you being less top of mind. So I think it just varies. Like, I think the timing can always be right. And I think uh, it's just a matter of like the why of why you're doing it would be slightly different. But yeah. And should they be doing it? I just think you have to have a compelling reason and have the talent on staff to do it and not just because you think you should be because that'll just result in you creating another mediocre crap podcast. And there's enough of those out there and um, <laughs> that won't move the needle anyway. So I think uh, 
the thing I try to preach the most is like, it has to start good to begin with, make it good to begin with. Otherwise, I mean, nothing else is going to matter. So yeah. No, 100%. I was going to say something Eric and I have talked about a few times is it's amazing with just content in general. You know, marketers put it maybe too simply under this bucket of top of funnel or awareness or whatever, like top of mind. And that, like, that's true. That may be where it fits or whatever. But for me, there's a very specific component that we talk about a lot, which is like, it's amazing when we reverse engineer ourselves and our own behavior, how much the people that are really leading good discussions and sharing point of view and offering thought leadership and like great valuable content are just perceived as the industry leaders. Right. Like there's this whole pairing specifically with industry leaders. And if you were to ask, we did this exercise, we're like, how much do you think this company makes versus this one, like ARR? And it's like, oh, I don't know. Like this one seems to be like far and ahead. Like if I had to put my money on who's going to yeah. be around in 10 years, it'd be this one. And the only difference was it was the one that like shares more point of view and thought leadership and talks more. Yeah. It's the video podcast. It's the audio clips. It's like, oh, well, they just seem to be more expert. So it isn't even like, Marketers can call that top of mind, but for me, it's even more specific than that. No, that's actually like perceived as the industry leader in the space. Yeah, it's perception, man. Being visible creates a lot of being more accessible, being more visible, being more vocal creates a lot of competitive advantages, perception being one of them. So yeah, I I totally agree. All right. I want to get you out of here on time. So where can people find Databox if they want to check it out? We are happy new users of it. Awesome. So if you're trying to get all your metrics in one place, go check that out. So where can they find that? And where can they find you for your Patreon, your good con- uh, some yeah. good content? Databox is easy. Databox.com. You can find us at the website. Uh, we have a pretty popular blog at this point. So you, there's a good chance you might have read one of our blog posts at this point, but databox.com where you can learn about the product. You can learn about the podcast I've referenced. You can learn about the blog, all that good stuff. And some good content's easy too. Just somegoodcontent.com, all one word. So you can learn all about that there. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today, John. Really love talking with you. You got it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. If there's a company you'd like us to interview or a question you want us to answer on the show, just let us know. You can ask us at brandsthatpodcast.com or DM or tag Lemon Pie on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram. And if you want to reach your audience on podcasts that they're already listening to, be sure to check out lemonpie.fm. Lemon Pie.